Hey there, Pinpoint Players. Tim here with the Pinpoint Player Podcast. I'm joined with my buddy Rambo. How's it going, everybody? And tonight, we're going to be splitting your heads open with the idea of multiplayer split-screen gaming. Yeah, and that's just the thing. We were thinking about topics to kind of cover for today's episode, and we figured, hey, something else that's kind of that we both grew up with, but that's kind of slightly going by the wayside, uh, split screen. So we're just like, hey, we should actually talk about this because there's a lot of history to it. It still exists today. It doesn't have quite that impression as it did when we were little kids. No, I mean, it was expected when we were younger. That's exactly it. Every single game, if it had, if it said multiplayer, if it said one to two or one to four players on that NCC4 cartridge or PlayStation cartridge, or not cartridge, CD, it, it was expected. Okay, it's split screen. It's going to have it. Boom. Yeah. Consoles also had multiple ports for plugging your controller in before they went wireless. And it's funny you should say that because so back in the uh, 90s when... So I, did you ever have a PlayStation 1? No, I never had a PlayStation 1. Yeah, because so part, one of the benefits of having divorced parents was that one got me a N64 and the other got a PlayStation. So I was one of the very few kids that by virtue happened to have both systems. But with the PlayStation 1... Truly blessed. Exactly, in that sense anyway. But in the sense of... Um, PlayStation 1. So by default, it only came with two controller plugs, whereas the N64 came with four. But it came out, I think in the maybe three years since the system came out, they came out with an adapter that allowed you to plug in four controllers for those very few racing or other type of games that would allow up to four players on the PlayStation. Yeah. And Crash Team Racing was the first notable one I can think of because in the commercial for it, they actually advertise, you know, get this port here so you can play with four, you know, three of your other friends. I remember vaguely what that adapter looked like. Didn't it connect into both ports and had a smaller, kind of went in half for well, the first port? So two controllers would be in the f- one... Uh, controller port through the adapter and it was a smaller plug so from the way i remember it is it was like this weird l-shaped device thing that plugs into the playstation and you plug the other controllers into that it's kind of like how the macbooks these days like my mac that we're actually talking and recording this on has this dongle where you plug in your usbs but then you have your USB-C that plugs into the main computer it was kind right. of like that but for the playstation but back like 25 years ago jeez i didn't yeah i i, I it's so interesting the things that we pick up on when we dig into little topics like these. Like, uh, when we were talking about, like, how our old split screen could have been, we were thinking mid-90s, late-80s. But in our research, we came across that it is, it is as early as 1970. First split screen game that we could find reference to, like, just our, you know, a little bit of research on Wikipedia is that the very first game that used split screen was a game called drag race from 1977 from this now defunct maker called key games it only lasted five years till 1978 but they made the split screen game called drag race and honestly i knew going into it that's you know split screen gaming was older than its heyday from like the 90s when we remember stuff like goldeneye but i didn't realize it went all the way back to the 70s because we take for granted the, the tech that we have today that's where you know the computer i'm recording this on with you or the games that we play on the systems we do, or the PC gaming on the PC rigs that we play, but just how developers only had mere kilobytes of, of memory to work with in some of the systems and PCs back then. Right. I mean, we, just brainstorming to come up with the concept as early as 1970, uh, I kind of fathomed and just you know playing around with numbers, if something was one byte, if the game itself ran on one byte, and to have multiplayer... In that early game, 
it would require two bytes. It would need to require two bytes. But the game also has two tracks and layers going, uh, operating at two different, uh, two different speeds, two different methods of input, two different data points. So you have two bytes running at the same time, but running those same two bytes to tra traverse different information. So you'd need a five-bit system to run a one-bit game with multiplayer. Right, exactly. That's a good kind of uh, you know, straight nuts and bolts answer. And they, that's what was the reality. Even today, the games that the, some of the games that exist today that still do a split-screen games, they you have to basically render the same thing two, three, or four times to be able to play it for everybody. Now, the exception being if you have a game like, say, Super Smash Brothers Melee, where you have four people on the same screen, that's different. But if you have like a four-person racing game, you got to render that stuff four times. And the problem I've noticed these days, and we'll definitely get into more of this in a second, is it's not a priority anymore to have split-screen gaming, and it comes down to a couple of reasons, which we'll definitely get into. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting evolution as we go forward in in our lives. The see what the things that we've grown up with change in different ways. Like when I was a kid, when we were kids, we had split screen games like uh, Super Mario, um, oh, yeah, Mario, Mario Kart, Kart games, yeah. Mario Kart. Yeah, um, and let's not forget the most fable one of all. Of course, I mean, yeah, Go Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Gotta talk about Goldeneye. Yeah. Like, I feel like every other episode we had to talk about Goldeneye because, again, so influential. It was a very influential game in our lives, and I was actually quite—I was a little bit hesitant to talk about it because we've talked about it so much. But it really did have split screen as a part of its history because they delayed Goldeneye. If you remember Pinpoint Players in one of the several episodes that we discussed Goldeneye. They delayed GoldenEye specifically to include multiplayer. And I'm not sure if it was by a whole lot because I'm trying to remember exactly because I think they delayed a little bit, but they still wanted to get out there because multiplayer was a last second inclusion because I think, like I said before in our one of our previous episodes about the Bond games, initially we're just going to do single player, but the multiplayer was a last second inclusion and it's good that they did because it was kind of a mold breaker in the idea of split screen you know, shooters on a console. And because of that... It had a, quite the legacy afterwards, and it ends up being one of the most fun games of multiplayer gaming. You know, going over to your friend's place and yelling about screen peeking and, you know, who gets to be Bond and who gets to be freaking Boris or whatever. Like, when I played with my brother, he'd always, for example, just in my anecdotes, my brother would always get to be Bond, him being the liver, and I always have to play as somebody else. So I would always choose Boris because I didn't want to choose Alec Trevelyan because he was the bad guy. So I would just, I mean, Boris was also the bad guy, but I'm just like, eh, whatever, I'll just be Boris. He was the second, he was the second dude after Alec Trevelyan, 006. Well, that's so funny. Why wouldn't he let you be Bond? Because he was the older brother. That's oh, such so an older what? brother. That's, that's such an older brother. Who won? You know, who won the match? I'm Bond. Uh, it's it's an older brother thing to do. It's just like like it's one of those things that I'm not surprised looking back on it, that he did. It. it just happened to be that way because he was the older brother. When we play, uh, my brother and a couple of friends from uh, our summer vacation, when we would play, I would always be Objob. Oh, Objob! I hate people that always be Objob. I loved being Objob because because it's so fucking hard to hit. Like if you're and Goldeneye, if you play four players, like being persistent. So back in the day when we did it no better with uh, good controllers, you could be a little bit more precision, but even still, odd job would be a pain in the ass to hit. But if you go back and play Goldeneye these days, having had modern controllers with two joysticks, and you go back and play with the N64 controller, you're like, oh my god, I can't aim. So you basically have to spray and pray. You basically have to get an auto gun and just spray and pray. That's the only way to succeed. It really was the easiest way to hit odd job because let me tell you the reasons that you hate. Hub job were the reasons I loved 
playing Abjab, right? Because he was fast. He was smaller than all the other characters, so he ran fast. Like you were saying, he'd had trouble aiming on him. Guess why? Because the player who was playing Abjab knew he was fast, so he could dart in and out of a room. He could go left and right, zigzag, straight towards you. And if you had uh, slappers only, oh God. he just walked down a hallway, he killed six people. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, what the, you know what the funny part is? So I played the game and I hadn't seen Goldfinger. And then, so I played Goldeneye and then maybe like seven, eight years passed and I finally got to see Goldfinger. And I saw Oddjob like sitting next to Sean Connery. I'm just like, Okay, Oddjob isn't really that short. Like, Oddjob is almost the same height as Sean Connery. So I'm just like, why is he really short? And I could probably take a guess why in terms of the mindset. Sure. But even still, it's just like, he should not be this short. He should be the same height as Bond. Like, it should not be... Like, I don't know, Natalia should be shorter. Because I think Natalia was a little bit shorter than Pierce. Although I have to go watch it again to make sure. We'd have to watch the movie. Hey, pinpoint players, if you want us to watch the movie, let us know. (laughs) But anyway, Beck, we could talk again. Talk about Goldeneye for an entire episode. And maybe we... And maybe at some point we will, for an entire episode, just be dedicated to Goldeneye. But for now, it was a transcending moment for split-screen gaming for the console, and it helped carry it forward. And for me, it was a fond memory along with Mario Kart 64. And even going back before that, I had um, Super Mario Kart and Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Then the, and then the other one that brought back fond memories for me was the Halo series. Because in Halo 1, I remember specifically going to people's houses to do... We did LAN parties where if you these two guys... This one friend and another friend would bring over their Xboxes. We'd get two TVs together and it'd be eight players, four on one TV, four on the other, and it'd just be awesome. We'd all get in the, you know, Warthogs. We'd all be firing our assault rifles. It, it was a it was a grand old time, and I loved it. It was, to me, in terms of the split-screen online gaming era, it was a golden era. It was some of the best, and it was during that weird transitional time in, I want to say, the late 90s to the mid to late 2000s where online gaming and split screen gaming existed in a kind of a perfect harmony where you could have both at once instead of just having like today one or the other right um the natural progression that we were all making uh advancing technology had certainly captured a lot of people's attention i certainly remember wanting a cell phone in high school yeah sir yeah like even by today's standards, like those crappy Nokia phones, but I wanted one. I wanted to be able to like, yeah, I got a cell phone because this guy in this movie that I saw, he looked cool. He had a cell phone. Right. I wanted to be able to talk to my family and my friends whenever I wanted. Uh, I wanted that new advancement. I wanted to be a part of that culture. So with games and production all being underway in the sense that it was, you know, games that had multiplayer, we're expected to have multiplayer, but we were advancing in a sense that, well, I think it was mostly sort of a marketing push because with online advancing, it would create the need for people to buy more products. They would need to go buy a console, which if you had a copy of the game, you already did. If you were going to your friends, it wasn't that you were bringing your console and bringing your game with you it was just the convenience of oh uh we had the sudden urge to play the game and because he has it at his place there's no need to you know have a problem but with online it was your profile your character it was a whole um shebang basically to kind of get the to be able to play online together whereas in the old days because it was expected for this game to have you know split screen multiplayer you would just 
put the game in and you would just play. The only limitation was just making sure that you had a second controller, but that was it. Honestly, if you had at least one sibling, chances are you had a second controller and your friend could come over and you play and Bob's your uncle, basically. You're good. Right. Now, online came along and it pushed people to, you know, constantly have all of these things on their own. Like I said, I feel like it was a marketing push. That advancement occurred to generate more income for the companies. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's And it didn't happen. I noticed just over the years, just in the research that we did and just in my own experience and your own experience probably, it didn't happen overnight. It was kind of like a very slow, very slow avalanche where it just cascaded really slowly and then kind of caught up all at once in the last, I want to say, generation in terms of the system, the PS4, Xbox One era. And I say that because you had the 90s where you had a lot of split-screen gaming, whether it be racing, fighting, you know, you're like your Smash Brother games, your Mario Karts of the world. But even going later on in the future, like in the mid-2000s, or in the late 2000s, you had your Left 4 Dead. I love Left 4 Dead. It's a fantastic zombie game that I will go back and play every now and then because it is fun. I love Traversing that, that, you know, five parts of a level to basically see if we can survive and escape the area. I love that game. And another example that I can think of that also has that is um, one that you and I played back in college and we kind of got the game on a whim last second or maybe i rented it i can't remember we i got resident evil 5 and i i intended to go play it at my place alone and then you know just go through the camping myself but then i saw that it had co-op basically because at that point it was still kind of expected for it and this is the xbox 360 and i was like hey you want to go to your place and play it and we did and it took us two long gaming sessions of each like being seven, eight hours, but we ended up beating the entire game. We played it until like four or five AM that one morning, but we beat it. It was hard. Like that last fight against Wesker was really, really hard, but we did it. And it's one of the most fun experiences I've had playing a co-op game like ever since at that point the nineties, playing Goldeneye with my brother or playing racing games with friends, you know, family, that kind of thing. And because like I said, it was expected and this slow avalanche like I said, it was happening really slowly, and here we are in the mid to late 2000s, we still have this, but then after that, it kind of changed to the point where you would just need to have two systems, two games, and now two online memberships. You need Both you need to have Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus to be able to do this, so it's the barrier to entry is that much more expensive, but this is the price you have to pay f- for a lot of games if you want to play this online. Not Steam necessarily, and we'll get to a little bit of that in a second, but you get what I'm saying, though. I do. Yeah, I remember doing that, playing uh, Resident Evil 5, and I remember doing that with you, I remember doing that with my brother. Um, it was a fun game. I remember the transitional period a little bit, because I recognized the peer, the point where my buddies, my friends, and my brother's friends from Maine, we played uh, Time Splitters 2 on the GameCube. Good game, good game. Oh. Loved that game, because the multiplayer had so much more than the story in the campaign. Same thing, too, with uh, 007 Nightfire. Same idea. The, the, the customization and the fun with the multiplayer. Yeah. But yeah. It was absolutely... Because we would bring over memory cards. Be like, we built this map. We're playing on this map tonight. Kind of. Or I've unlocked all these characters. We're, you know, we're playing this exactly. one. Exactly. The, the characters were uh, exclusive to the performance and based off of our own achievements. But... We would play that very often with the GameCube. And then the Wii, I mean, the Wii was right around the corner from the GameCube. And that was the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox era. My brother and I got Xboxes. There was a Christmas where we got one copy of the game. And our parents were expecting us to share it. As if it was the old days. Right. Like, you all, you know, we got the system. 
So this is the game for the system. That'll just work across everything. Exactly. But my brother had started to uh, drift into the online Call of Duty uh, scene. And he realized that, oh, I can just jump on a server with people all over the world who want to play a game the exact same time. So there there wasn't a need to coordinate with other people. There wasn't a need to have friends readily available. It was just... Convenience made simple. Oh, oh, that's the thing. A lot of people, including myself, got into that world where it was. It wasn't until later on that I had an Xbox 360, and then later on a PS3. So I didn't get the whole online Call of Duty scene because at the time I didn't have it. But but then when I got it, it was just like, oh man, hopping online and playing, you know, team deathmatch online. This is a brand new experience. This is really fun, and this is still kind of a little bit before the era where people would say huge obscenities online, like you know, cuss your mother out, that kind of thing. But so it was still, it was new. It was exciting because it was just a new frontier. And I don't know, it was, it was just a really th- cool thing to get into at the time before it became kind of a big tropey fanboy, you know, Call of Duty guys eating Doritos and pounding back Mountain Dews or Monster Energy. Before it became that trope, it was quite an experience just to be there on the frontier of it. Yeah. Uh, what was really interesting about that transition and that those first kind of uh, one small step for games, one small step, you know, one giant leap for gamers or whatever, that moment of transitional between split screen and online was the connectivity that it offered to so many people, making the global community a global community kind of thing. We could talk to gamers who were, you know, playing Call of Duty or whatever racing game or fighting game, whatever game you were enjoying but you could play from someone in New Zealand, you could play someone in Indonesia, you could play someone in Frankfurt, Germany, all in one match, as long as you were all awake and had the internet. Yeah, that was the beautiful thing. It was bringing the world closer than ever. And at that point, the world had kind of been largely globalized, but it brought it even closer than ever before. And that was the cool thing. It brought a large community of people together. And I'm sure there are people out there that made friends with folks. In fact, in my personal experience... This is actually a twofer. This covers split screen and the online world and just kind of the world's combining like when it was in their heyday. So I never, because I never had an original Xbox system, I never got to play, unless I went over to a friend's place, I never got to play the original Halo or Halo 2. Again, only if I went over to friend's places. The first time I really got introduced to Halo was, so I was at the dorms in college, you know, my friend Bennett, we played... Shout out to Ben. Always shout out to Bennett. Played Halo 3 because he brought his Xbox system. We bonded over Halo 3. We played split screen. I sucked at it at first because I had no real Halo experience other than those first two Halo games. And again, rare, if that. And he kind of showed me the ropes. I went from being pretty garbage at Halo to being, like, you know, decent by the end of it. It's like, you know, where I was able to win, you know, solo matches, that kind of thing. And But he and I, we bonded over it. We played it. And we had some of the best times of our lives just going through and playing those games and I enjoyed every second of it and those were some of my most fond memories especially of college but yeah he we would play that we would play Guitar Hero we played Rock Band and we'll be doing an episode on that in the near future so stay tuned for that looking forward to that and uh, we played a little bit of Call of Duty but it was mostly the Rock Band Guitar Hero Halo but but sticking with the Halo so yeah we would he and I would play Halo split screen and Halo had this Halo 3 had this cool feature where all you had to do was have one account that had Xbox Live. So it was his account. And myself and two other people that lived on the dorm floor were able to all hop online and play 
like a death match together against other people in the world. So it could just be four of us on one system playing online against other people. And that idea is crazy that the Xbox is rendering four screens while simultaneously playing online. I mean, that is, you know, peak right there. You're playing online with that global community, but we're all playing in the same room. So there's that shared camaraderie of all being there together while also playing the world. It's cool. It was, it's the best it could have been, honestly, I think in that sense. And it was ecstatic. It was amazing. And I miss those times, honestly. Me too. Uh, you know, one thing that we, we really haven't covered uh, about the nostalgia of split screen gaming is how connected you felt to your friends and family that you actually sat down on the couch with and played the games. You know, that was with that is what the merit of split screen. That's what we're really talking about in this episode. The things that we miss about the split screen. That is really it. Because as great as online gaming took us, creating that global community inside the global community, it really separated us. It really individualized our properties within ourselves of our house, our system, our profile, our game, our controller, our money. And its intention was to create this connectivity to community, you know, for us all to play at the same time around the world and be closer together with each other. But we were a lot closer to our friends and family when we shared the same space, when we shared the same TV on the same screen in a split screen format. Exactly. You can't you can't beat that camaraderie of being in the same room with the same person. Even if like you're yelling at that person for getting like a cheap killer screen peeking, you can't. <laughs> exactly. You really can't though. It's like there's there's nothing quite like it. And I'm sure some of you and so some folks listening saying like, well, there's still split screen gaming. And that's true. There's still split screen multiplayer gaming. There's still split screen co-op. In fact, I played one with uh, Andrew recently. That's a pretty good one on Steam and I think on the PS4 and Xbox One. It's called A Way Out. Basically, you're two prison, you're two guys trying to escape from prison, and there's this like story that unfolds with it. It takes about eight hours to beat. It's a really good game. Like it's one of those games where you play it once and it doesn't have any replayability after that. But that was split screen, so there are split screen games. But I guess that's my point there. It's a way out is not a conventional AAA game. A way out is an indie or indie-ish game where it's not made by a really large developer, and that's the thing. Split screen gaming tends to only exist on games that are made by primarily indie developers, which is fine because indie developers, as we've talked about, make really good games, like really flesh it out, really are able to kind of run with the idea without any kind of big wigs at the top telling them what they can and can't do. But it disappearing from the the main AAA scene or starting to taper off from it, it's a problem because there's not that shared sense of camaraderie that you and I had. And some people might say like, well, so what? They never grew up with it, so what do they care? And true, they didn't. There's quite an experience to be able to play in the same room and have that, you know, shared moment with that person. And the Halo story I told you is one of them. There's so many more like it. I mean, for me, this goes all the way back to the 90s, playing on the Super Nintendo. I mean, for me, GoldenEye was probably the biggest one in the 90s, but it wasn't the first. And even today, as we talk about, have this conversation, it won't be the last because there are plenty of other games that you and I have played, that my friends and I have played, that we'll all get enjoyment out of. I mean, we went to your cabin in Maine a couple of years back and... Popped in, we played Goldeneye. We're all terrible at it, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that really did hinder us is that the system, well, a lot of the controllers were just used to shit. I mean, some of them were really bad. Oh, the joysticks are pretty loose yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, I remember the black one is like, that one was, I think, our original controller. So it's the one that every kid used, basically. The sy- yeah, the system came with, I mean, you know, 
the system came with a standard gray. Yeah, the gray was the standard color. Gray was the standard color. But yeah, uh, the red one, pretty damaged. The gray one, I think we had multiple. But that's the other thing, is that, yeah, they had multiple controllers. Another thing that uh, I'm remembering about uh, split screen and multiplayer. But yeah, I loved that, dude. I honestly want to get you guys up there. Maybe we even be able to record an episode of the podcast. If you, the pinpoint players, want that, let us know. Absolutely. We're absolutely willing to discuss that. That would be great. Of course. But on this topic at hand, though, just split screen gold and I, it's like I said, we, we don't have to do that. We don't have to go back 25 years to play this old game that's, you know, it's where its heyday is you know, long in the past, but we do because it's fun to go back and have those memories. And it is a shame that a lot of uh, developers are kind of getting away from that. And again, it's the mostly the indie scene that's covering it, but it is a shame that they don't just offer split screen. But in our research, we, we figured it came down to two reasons. One of them we already covered is money because, you know, game developers, publishers want you to have two copies, basically. They want you to have, if they can limit it, if they can have online play, but have it be on separate systems, basically... The game itself only allows you to do single player. They're like, okay, the person will probably need two con- two people need two consoles, two copies of the game, and then two online subscriptions, like I said earlier. So that's that was reason one they did this. The other reason is in our research was something called focus. The idea that so earlier when you were we were talking about the very first one of the very first um, split screen games with it's Drag Race. Yeah, Drag Race. So for, to make that work, even today, you basically have to take the same image or same scene in the game. You have to render it twice, three or four times. And that's the problem. Developers are so interested in making the game look pretty. 4K imaging, you know, the water reflects perfectly off your suit of armor. And look at that. It shines. So realistic. Right. By by doing that, you've done two things. You focused all your attention on making the game look pretty. And by doing that, you've reduced at all the amount of time you could have done to make it split screen. And that's the problem. The focus on that. By making the game so pretty... You not only reduce your development cycles, you essentially made it so that way it's impossible to render the game twice, three, hence even four times, because you used up all your memory to make this crappy suit of armor, which who cares? Yeah. You know, you're 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 walking out of a puddle. You know, I imagine if you're in the game and you've fallen into a puddle, you want to get out of that puddle as fast as you could because you want to keep playing. You don't want to see it render in you know psyche. 4k ultra whatever exactly it, sure it helps the body and the psyche think that it's actually occurring which does create a very desirable and good unique sense but at the same time we're tricking our brains and our psyches into thinking that these things that aren't real are real because of how hyper realistic they're becoming and the other thing is too part of it is also marketing because you make your game look pretty. You can put it on commercial. That's like, wow, look how realistic this game is. Look at the animation. You can see the pores on his face. It's like, that's cool. But honestly, if the game doesn't play well, then who cares how it looks? Because I'll give an example. So I rent- I ended up renting this game. I'm glad I did because it wasn't really worth anything keeping. I played this game called The Order 1886, which is this alternate London reality where this the premise was interesting enough. It, like, it wasn't amazing, but it's one of those things where I would have personally liked to have seen it get a sequel. The problem was it didn't get a sequel because it just didn't sell well enough, and I can tell you why. The campaign was too short. The story was, you know, bare bones-ish. It could I wish it fleshed it out, honestly. But they wasted all the time in the um, advertising being like, hey, it's the most photorealistic game ever released on the PS4 at the time. This was back in 2014-15. And the graphics, to its 
to credit, it did look amazing. But gameplay-wise, it didn't really do anything cutting-edge. And nobody talks about it anymore to today, in 2021, because it just wasn't that memorable. And that was what I mean. It wasted all its cycles on making itself look pretty that it just forgot to do anything else. Yeah, and I'd be really curious to look into who marketed that uh, that campaign for the, the game. Because any any skilled marketer would know that if your uh, if your selling point of your product is how it looks and that is what you're going to show uh, in order to sell the product, you've already given the product away. You know, if you're going to if you're going to show how beautiful a painting is by taking a picture of it, who wants the painting when they can have the picture for free? I mean, it's kind of like. I mean, yeah, that's a good analogy there. But another thing I think of just running with that, it's you could go look up a high resolution capture of like Van Gogh or Mona Lisa. But why would you? I mean, isn't the whole point to go to the museum, see it yourself and decide if you like it? it. Yeah, Yeah. experience it to see if you like it. If you like it, cool. If you don't like it, well, at least you tried it. But but let's not but let's not put the horse before or put the cart before the horse. Yeah, that's the analogy. Let's not order 1886 this, you know. Right, exactly. Let's, you know, hey, if you make a game that has good gameplay, good multiplayer, and it looks pretty, it's like, congratulations, you got the whole package. Cool, we're running with that, but you shouldn't put all your attention in that one thing. But anyway, we're, we're staying too focused on this example, but you get the but you get the point, though. We you, were focused on the focus. Exactly. We're focused on the focus aspect of split screen. But going back, though, split screen, as I said, I used the analogy earlier of the slow avalanche, and I think just looking on the whole scope of it going all the way back to the 70s to today it has been a slow avalanche where but i feel like that golden age looking back on it was between 2000 and 2010 you could argue it was a little bit before and after and rightly so but in this we'll just say it was that 10-year gap where you had both online and split screen at the same time they could live together in harmony and halo 3 is a good example of that you could all play on the same system like in the room and against other people online at the same time it was cool i enjoyed every single little bit of that and but these days Generally speaking, unless it's an indie developer or Nintendo themselves, you won't see split screen. And when I use Nintendo specifically, Nintendo's focus has always been, you know, something more family oriented. But it's because it's been more family oriented with Mario, like, you know, your, you know, your typical Mario games. You have, you know, your Mario parties of the world. You have your Mario Karts of the world. In other words, Nintendo as a system, unless you're talking about Zelda, but that's always been a one player thing, has always been geared toward a inclusive family friends split screen you know all playing on the same screen together multiplayer i mean let me put it this way or not mario nintendo is the only system i know where it has something called eight player smash right yeah uh in our research yeah i mean yeah we've all i've always recognized it i've always said that nintendo was you know the, the disney of the gaming consoles they were always very wholesome very family oriented i mean the Wii was the greatest example. They tried to innovate the controller to be more Mostly. functional as an exercise. They wanted people to get up, you know, in the middle of a game of Wii Sports, it'd be like, you've been playing for 30 minutes. Do you want to take a break, go outside? And you're like, no. No, I do not. I <laughs> but, never want to. But yeah, the Switch, Nintendo's latest console, it's literally designed so that the controllers that you would use in single player can turn into individual controllers for people to play multiplayer games. Case in point, if you had two switches, you would have four controllers, meaning you could have 
four people playing on one system. So they bumped up the the the, uh, the ability with I mean everyone I'm pretty sure these days is familiar with Super Smash Brothers and the Super Smash Brothers fan franchise. We should really do an episode on that. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that game you can have up to eight people, eight individual people playing on the same screen. Now you'll probably want a big fat HDTV to do this, but you can. That's um, how- yeah, you can do it on the small screen. You can do it on the big screen. Nintendo has always been people-oriented. Right, and they want you to all play together and and have fun together. I mean, you have almost 25 years of Mario Party and yelling at somebody for stealing your star to prove that. So that's what I mean. Nintendo, indie gamers, or indie developers, I should say. And then another category where this is the other one that kind of bucks that trend a little bit is the Lego games. Lego games are the only other thing where, regardless of the system it comes out on, it always has a split-screen multiplayer component where the idea is, again, family-friendly. You play it with your friends, you play it with a significant other, or you play it with um, your family. Like, you get it for, like, let's say you're a father, you know, mother, that we want to play it with your little kid, and you want to play something that's kind of safe-ish. You play Lego, and it's catered to that because, again, being family-friendly. But outside of those two big wedge cases in regards to, like I said, Nintendo and Lego, the biggest ones are going to be those indie developers that decide, like, you know what? I had fun... And that's the thing. These indie developers were kind of us, basically, as kids. Like, some might be a little bit older, some might be a little bit younger, but they remember the fondness of split screen. So they figured, okay, well, let's do this. Let's make this game split screen because, you know, why not, basically? I enjoyed it, so let's make it a thing. I mean, the game we played last night before this episode, we played Death Road to Canada. Yeah. And what's cool about that game on Steam is developers added an option called, I think it's Remote Play. Yeah. But the idea is... I, only one person has to own the game, and this person can invite three other people to go play on the same game session together. So that way, instead of each person buying a $20 copy, only one person has to, and we can all get the enjoyment out of it. And a lot of games on Steam actually do this, and I'm cool that I'm glad that's a thing. And I realize that Sony, PlayStation, and the Microsoft Xbox also does the same thing, where they have a version of that where developers can enable that as an option. Now, most developers probably won't enable that because they want you to buy their individual games and get more sales. But the ones that do, that's pretty cool that they do that or they allow it. One of the biggest examples I can think of that did allow that is Andrew and I played um, NHL where I owned a copy of the game. It was twenty. I paid $20 for it on sale and I was able to send him a, an invite on the PlayStation to play it with me. I think you have to have PlayStation Plus to do that. but It would make sense because they're, they're still, they've got to still make some sort of coin back. Of course. So it would make sense that they recoup some sort of loss. If they're suggesting that, you know, you can invite your friend to play the game without them purchasing it, it would suggest, yeah, they both need an online member. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to say I'm positive. I'm pretty positive that you need that. But in any case, we were able to do that, play the game, have fun. We were able, we were able to play through an entire season as the Halifax Mooseheads against the entire NHL. And again, really fun. Goes harkens back to the idea of split screen, you know, in the same room camaraderie, but the Funny thing is, we were in different places entirely. He was in his apartment in Brookline, and I was at my apartment in Brighton, and we all made it work. But in the end, I guess my point is there are tools that exist for us to play these split-screen games today. We can either go back and play these old games, or we can play the ones that allow us to do today. But in general, a lot of the AAA scene is moving away from that because I think they don't want to be bothered with the development's time because of the things we've talked about. And Mm -hmm. the other... One I can think of, just off the top of my head, honestly, is... So one that I'm surprised still actually includes split screen. Even the most recent game is... So the Call of Duty games, 
but I think they allow split screen between uh, with two people. I think maybe in the old days it might have been four, but I think these days they st still do it with two people, so that way two folks can play uh, zombies, basically, in the Black Ops games. And I think in the other games they do it for their respective multiplayer modes. But outside of wedge cases like that, I would say generally you don't really see it. You're not going to see a Battlefield game with split screen. You're not going to see Fortnite with split screen. They want you to each play it on their individual system and pay for cosmetics and pay for you know microtransactions. Yeah. So what's our point? I mean... When we get down to it, it's an option. Uh, I, I, I truly believe that our saving grace in this will be the market. The game that we played, Death Road to Canada, has that remote play. Call of Duty still offers it in some capacity for people to play. So it is an option for people, to, uh, for developers to add to their game. If we want to see it more in games prevalently, I think that we should focus more on playing those types of games. We should. And folks that want this stuff back, definitely support developers and definitely, you know, mention them, tweet at them, say that you want this stuff. It really means a lot to you. I mean, in some games, they probably won't bother because it's meant to be a single player narrative and they won't have any kind of multiplayer. Fair sure. enough. But in games where, it, you know, could involve split screen and it doesn't take up too much of their time to do it, it'd be nice if they did because it's fun just being able to sit in the same room and have that camaraderie. There's nothing quite like it. And... I know, and I'm saying this on the heels of a pandemic, for the past year, we weren't able to do that, generally speaking. Like, unless we lived, you know, with our family for that time, or we lived with significant others that were interested in playing games, we generally couldn't. We couldn't have those moments because, well, the pandemic. So in that sense, one instance where I'll say like, oh, you know, I am super happy that we had 100% had online gaming. And yes, split screen would have been nice, but to be able to have that ability at all was amazing throughout all this. And it helped make you know getting through this pandemic a lot easier and yes we're not over with it even by the time this episode comes out but compared to where we were because we're recording this um in the middle of may compared to where we were even somewhat recently before this episode it was trying times so i'm glad that's this online gaming allowed us to do it but when this pandemic's still tapering down and everyone's getting the vaccine and getting out there in the world and you want to have a good old time with you know some old friends or family maybe dust off that n64 playstation and go play some split screen gaming or if there's a new indie-ish game that you enjoy and you want to introduce to them, definitely do so because, like I said, there's nothing quite like yelling at your siblings or friends when they um, either kick your ass or, you know, scream peek. Let's, yeah, let's bring back the gaming that we remember in the way that we want to play the game. Pinpoint Players, thank you so much for joining us tonight on this episode of the Pinpoint Player podcast, the multiplayer split-screen episode. If you guys like what you heard, Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It greatly helps with outreach and getting to new members, so please do so there. And if you like our stuff as well, give us a follow on Spotify, because for the same reasons, it helps us reach new people and get our word out there. You can also find us at Instagram at Pinpoint Players. We post stuff there from time to time, and if you ever want to send us a DM about episode suggestion or feedback, go ahead and let us know there. We're also on the YouTube. We've got some great content up there got some wonderful Pokemon card openings. We've got a wonderful Yu-Gi-Oh card opening. We're going to have some wonderful content planned for the future, so stay tuned there. Like, follow, and even subscribe if you can. And of course, if you want to reach us old school by email or at pinpointplayers at gmail.com. And with that, thanks guys for listening to our multiplayer discussion, and we'll see you for the next one. Take it easy, guys. 